Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. How's everybody doing? Big Dave and Joe, another edition of the show we bring you every week. Well, not every week because we weren't on last week. So uh, (laughs) we'll we'll start there. Uh, If you are a regular listener of the show and you tuned in, you couldn't find it. You waited a couple days. You still couldn't find it. There was no show last week. Uh, Not a technical glitch in any way, but, uh, you know, our life dealings together uh don't always stack up and line up in the same way so we did have to postpone the and, show from last week yeah dave and you know obviously with the pandemic and us doing the show away from the studio you know it, it it was just a little bit of difficult getting us all together last week so we apologize for that yeah absolutely uh poker room still closed in dade county right now uh as far as i know is that correct it is correct, uh, but I have, <laughs> right before we came on the air, I was on the phone with the um, marketing director from my casino, and um, they're, they, they're under the belief that hopefully sometime next week we will be opening up. Uh, I don't know if it's under restricted hours or any, any other restrictions, but as the, that information becomes available, I'll make sure that we get it out on the show. So uh, po- hopefully by Labor Day, maybe things will be starting to get back to normal. Who knows? I, well, don't, I, don't, uh, I won't pin you to that. but Yeah, I don't know about normal. My guess would probably be because I don't know if you knew this, but I don't know if in Broward they're still doing this, but we were limited the first week that we were open to 25% of um, capacity right. of the, uh, the fire marshal number that allows you the capacity, which in our case is somewhere around 500 people. Um, and then we went up to 50%, which obviously doubled that to about a thousand, 1100 people. And then everything, you know, hit, <laughs> as they say, uh, the, the stuff hit the fan again. So, uh, we closed down, uh, Broward has been lucky enough on their side that their mayor has not shut them down, uh, other than the first one. And with us, Dave, you know, we're, we're anxious. Everybody's dying to get back to work. Um, careful how you say that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a lot of us are anxious about getting wanting to get back to work. Okay. But, um, you know, we, we did wonderfully while we were open. I don't, you know, just speaking for my, for where I work, I, I know the numbers were great. People were happy to see us stay open. Um, you know, for those of you who have listened to the show and are nearby and do come by casino Miami, where I work at, you know, um, uh, I know that we were inspected four different times in the first 11 days that we were open out of the 21 days. And uh, they were very happy with the way that we were following procedures to make sure to ensure that our guests were safe and the employees and, uh, you know, uh, nobody is on a hundred percent because, you know, you've got people out there who are just complete morons and idiots who don't want to follow the guidelines. Right. So, but it's our job and, and, you know, everyone's job in the casino. And, and when I say everyone's job, Dave, I tell that to our guests too, because guess what? If I'm in a place where, you know, okay, I don't see an employee there, but somebody isn't acting in a safe manner, I'm going to go out and find somebody who's, who could take care of that. So, you know, we're all in this together. 
to protect each other and make sure that this thing doesn't keep spreading. Well, and, uh, so we've done a, we've been told we've done a very good job while we were open. That well, at one point, Magic City obviously was the biggest poker room in Dade County. And uh, at one time they had mentioned the date of July 25th as the yes. for reopening. Did that happen? That didn't happen, right? No, it did not. That was that was we closed the casinos down uh, for the second time in Dade County. We were open July 2nd was the last day that we were open. Some okay. of us, some of them closed at 10 o'clock uh, at night and some closed right at midnight as the day turned into July 3rd. So you've been down for another six weeks. And over six. Yeah, this past Friday was six weeks. So, and we're doing the show today on a, on a Tuesday. So, yeah, six and a half weeks we've already been closed for the second time. And, yeah, um, yeah we all anticipated two to three weeks. Obviously, the numbers were not indicated that. And our county mayor, uh, you know, was headstrong that this is what he was going to do regardless. Um, I don't know if you saw it, Dave, but, you know, uh, you and Joe, but a lot of the, the city manage, uh, um, uh, the city mayors were upset with the county mayor who supersedes them. Right. And the way that he handled some of these thin scenarios. But, you know, this is what he thought would be the safest way for for the citizens of Dade County to go about this, you know, but well, a lot of look. us are very, very, you know, very eager to get back to work. Let's talk about what we're seeing here in Florida, because uh, I've always said that Florida is made up of about is really about six different states. You know, all these different areas, people behave differently. Uh, there's lots of different ideas. The West Coast of Florida, people are very lax about uh, wearing masks. Uh, and uh, social distancing and, and really haven't followed the rules. And I don't know if that's where a lot of the cases are coming from. But I think in Dayton Broward, uh, we got hit harder earlier this year. And I think people are, are more cognizant of what they need to do to keep the virus away. So uh, we did just get a ruling from a court. Uh, the judge ruled in Broward County that bars cannot open yet. There was a lawsuit filed where the, the people – who sell alcohol but do not have food have been closed for months and months and hope to file this lawsuit and get open again. Today, the ruling came down and they still have to remain closed. So that hasn't changed. Uh, but I have uh, I talked to a friend today that works on Clearwater Beach and said that it's amazing how many people are coming from Dade and Broward counties and driving over there for the weekend and, and going out to the bars over there because the bars are open and the people have just going to a different area. So, uh, you know, I don't know how effective keeping those things closed are actually is. Well, you know, people just want to feel normal again, Dave. I mean, yeah, from, oh, yeah. From, no, from I don't blame them. We, I don't blame them. I'm not saying that. Listen, from what we were right before, for, for us here, you know, D-Day for us here was March 16th, which was the last day we were open before the reopening, okay? And, um, you know, here in Dade County, you know, bars have, again, have been closed also. Uh, you know, in Broward, you're very lucky the restaurants are still at the 50% level over there. They do have, in, you know, in the restaurant dining over here. You know, restaurants have had to get, you know, creative by putting chairs. I've seen some of them where they've taken their parking spots and have closed it off, you know, and yeah. put tables over there with tents over them so that people exactly. can, can eat out there. And to, to provide a, 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 a some sort of social stability for people to feel to going out. It is it, – it, it, let me tell you something. Um, 
my wife and I with a couple of friends were looking to, re, uh, to go out to this one uh, restaurant down here that's very popular called Chef Adrian. And she's bought out a couple of, of uh, other restaurants that used to be here. And we tried to call for three or four weeks. She was com completely booked solid. I don't know how many tables were available. I don't know if you've eaten at the Rusty Pelican. But oh, yeah. My, my, wife and I, my wife and I went there this past Saturday, okay? We had the night to ourselves. We've been, we've been on grand, grandparent duties, you know, grandpa duties for a while. Uh, so we took a night for ourselves. And, you know, obviously no in-building dining, but the Rusty Pelican has ample, uh, you know, terrace area where there was a lot of t tables. Now, I got to send you some of the pictures. You should have seen the marina. There were so many boats with so many people on top of those boats. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. And, I'm, and, and you couldn't see a mask amongst anybody there, Dave. Amongst yeah. Them. So the businesses are trying, but let's, let's, let's face it. They're taking it in the shorts. They're not doing anywhere near the kind of business. They're probably just barely surviving. Uh, let's bring, I want to bring Joe Costello in because he was up uh, the coast a little bit uh, looking at some places. And you found, Joe, that even less than 100 miles away, uh, there's areas where people aren't wearing masks at all. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. First of all, good to have you back. Uh, Boca <laughs> Beach Resort up there on uh, just north of Hillsboro. Uh, beautiful resort and spent a couple of days up there doing a little staycation. Got to admit, uh, it was a little nerve-wracking to go and experience. In fact, I had these dates scheduled for uh, like three weeks ago, right when things were really flaring up, and I canceled them because I was just... Not going to go out when we had 10, 11,000 cases per day. Uh, I just decided to kind of hide under the bed a little bit. But now I felt a little bit better. And so the resort, great job. They had hand sanitizer anywhere that you had to touch something, right? Like elevator buttons, hand sanitizer everywhere. Doors, hand sanitizer everywhere. They did a really great job. When you're walking around inside, you really should have your mask on, although some people... Did not. Most did. But that okay. wasn't where the issue was. One night, the restaurant was a little too crowded. We decided to venture out. And everybody knows Deerfield Beach is kind of like a rockin' beach, maybe even second to uh, Fort Lauderdale Beach in terms of, um, you know, popular uh, things to do. Well, we drove through that area, and there were it was like a Friday night in normal South Florida. It was packed, and nobody had masks. Like one out of ten had a mask. They were shoulder to shoulder person to person so close it was troubling and we got out of there we went to a different restaurant went to an anthony's where had they had one table in there and it was us and uh felt a lot better about it but those people were bad citizens man they were being bad citizens i don't know if they were tourists or if they were young people who just didn't care but there's no doubt the virus was being spread there just because of the numbers. Yeah. You've got hundreds of people shoulder to shoulder, inside and out, no masks. I was very disappointed that it was able to happen that way. Um, you know, there's a number where you can call and like rat people out. I, we didn't we didn't do that. Um, I thought about it, but that by the time that I decided maybe I did or didn't want to do it, I didn't know where the number was anymore, and it was the <laughs> moment had passed. But you could see people are trying. And you can see some people don't care. And yeah. that's the conflict. 
They're worn out. Uh, there is certainly some uh, corona fatigue out there for sure. Uh, what's this mean for poker? Uh, it seems that the Hard Rock is doing killer business. It seems that uh, Palm Beach Kennel Club is doing very well. The, the ones up here in Broward and Palm Beach County uh, have all kind of uh, put it in the rearview mirror. They said there are places that still have the uh, – the dividers up and it's a little bit different and people are being careful, but uh, Dade poker room still closed, still a problem. And we are nowhere near coming back to normal. Although the numbers, you mentioned 11,000, there was a lot of days where it was 10,000 as high as 15,000 one day. And now we're seeing under 5,000. So it's, are things getting better? Are they hiding the numbers? I do know that 200 people are dying just about every day in the state of Florida. So deaths are up and continue to, to, to be a problem. But uh, do you see things changing at all? How about you, uh, uh, Joe Costello? Do you think it's, things are changing? I, people are unsure. There's an evolution of everything. We're all trying to cope. Uh, I, you know, I look to movies for inspiration and one of my favorites, you know, Star Trek Wrath of Khan, right? They left Khan on that planet and it was like they adapted to it. Like we'll adapt to whatever it is. What do we have to do? We want to go out. We want to have fun. We want to eat. We get bored inside. We are going to adapt to whatever it is. How onerous is it? And the answer is it's not it's not terrible for the things that I like to do. But we're not going to be out at a you know a college football game shoulder to shoulder screaming no. our, our heads out anytime soon. I think, that, I think that's almost over. And so and so, uh, it all depends on what you like. Regarding yeah. the numbers uh, on our podcast the other night, uh, Giovanni suggested that he didn't trust the numbers, and I was not sure what he meant because most of the conspiracy theories come from the side of inflating the numbers on purpose. Exactly, yeah. I had never really heard somebody say, no, I think that they're keeping the numbers lower on purpose, which kind of blew my mind, but I accept it as one of the raft of possible things. Yeah, I guess so. If we don't trust them, period, then the numbers could be off either way. I am just trying to stay away from any bad decisions, like make, make good decisions, and I think I'll be okay. Joe and, and Dave, uh, you know, like you said, with those numbers, and like you said, it all it all depends on which side of the political fence you sit, you're standing yeah. on. Okay, to look at those numbers, either either they're hiding the numbers or they're inflating the numbers, and and again, that seems to be you know drawn down the the, the red and blue line that 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 we're going yeah. through right now in this country. Okay, well, everyone and, from Trump and to DeSantis to Peter Navarro to all these people that say it's there's nothing to see here. It's gone on. It's it's you know they 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 possibly could be suppressing those numbers well, to make it back up their point of view. Listen, guys, uh, you know I. I had mentioned earlier on the many months about my wife's cousin's daughter who went through 43 days yes. of, of intubation and then another two weeks. I mean, she literally went almost two months without seeing her daughter. This woman has aged, you know, and which I can't even come close to imagining how I would have been if it had been one of my three daughters in there. And I had been told they may not make it. Okay. Well, now someone that I know very well who, I hired many years ago to work for me, who I worked with in Dania and who has now been approved to work for us as a dealer at at Casino Miami. Uh, Unfortunately, his 77-year-old mother um, caught it on July 15th 
and sadly to say passed oh. away on August 9th. Okay. And it's just, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. You know, like yeah. I said, when I see all these people here in Dade County, I don't know about, cause both of you guys are up in Broward and, and you see the news a little differently up there, but you know, like Joe, you were talking about Deerfield beach and all those people there. Okay. Um, yes. And you know, you guys know that I love going to Margaritaville. Okay. I was there yesterday and you know, it was wonderful, but my wife and I decided to go a couple of Saturdays ago. We left after an hour and a half because it was so crowded already. Yeah. And obviously with a holiday coming up, they closed it last time. I'm hoping that they do the same thing in Broward and in, and in Dade County. Uh, but one of the big things, which is what, it's funny, like you said, some of the numbers have been trending down as far as the amount of people who have gotten it. But news-wise, if you guys have seen this on the news, so many people are, are Airbnb, these big mansion houses down here. Yes. Or yeah, condos. Having, having parties and, now. And having all these parties where literally there are five, six, seven, eight hundred. You know, the, and I understand as a young person, you're going stir crazy at home and you figure even if I get it, nothing's going to happen to me. And for some strange reason, you know, stupidity, whatever the hell it is, they're not thinking about the, the elderly or, or, the, or, their, or family or friend members that have underlying conditions. And, you know, well, once they have it and if they can't beat this, you know, the, the tragedy sets in. And then I don't know how you're going to live with yourself for the rest yeah. of your life thinking that you were the one who infected somebody well, who died. let's transition a little bit back to poker because uh, the bottom line is what we have mentioned many times in the show is if you've been touched by it personally, your family has been touched by it, you've seen someone really get the disease bad uh, pass away from it. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, that have recovered still are never going to be the same with their breathing and their lungs and, and whatever. But I want to transition it to poker because the latest news coming out of the poker world is that Norman Chad has contracted the Corona COVID-19. Oh, I did not know that. And, you know, just came out. He tweeted it out, uh, I think yesterday and uh, was taking a look at that. Now he says he feels pretty good. He's, uh, you know, uh, obviously has to quarantine and that sort of thing. But uh, he tested positive and said, uh, you know, he said uh, his main symptoms were just a severe headache and cough, and he's going to be quarantining. And uh, he's, he thinks he's going to be fine. But, uh, you know, it, when, when visible people like that, uh, obviously, we've had players like Doc Sands and uh, Andy Frankenberger and some of the other people like that. But when we see a guy like Norman Chad that's always so happy and funny, uh, you know, it, it, it does bother you a little bit. It, it does. And, and, you know, I know that we've been mentioning the numbers here, Dave, but today I received an email from uh, the publication. And for our listeners who don't know this, uh, Big Dave writes for Annie Up magazine. He's been doing this for many, many years. And today they gave sent me an email. I don't know if you saw it, Dave. If they, if they I haven't emailed you, yet. but uh, that tells you about the rooms that are open around the country. Oh yeah, I did the okay. That. And you know, here in the state of Florida, we've got places that have four-handed, five-handed, as is in Vegas, with plexiglass and all of this, and other places in the state that are running eight and nine-handed regular poker. Yeah, and 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 again, you know. I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. You know why some places are doing it 
you know, uh, and and the poker world is affected by this because, I mean, I don't know. I looked on Bravo Bread before we started the show, and I saw that the aisle had four tables. My guess is they may have opened up their uh, DP games, but not their poker table games. And I believe Gulfstream hasn't opened up their poker room either since March. No, I don't uh, believe they have opened it. You know, so other rooms are, are going crazy with it. And, and yet, as you mentioned earlier in the show, the Hard Rock is kicking ass with it. I know the Big Easy has been doing quite well with it um, in Broward. Um, but I've looked at Dania where, where you know, and I think Dania's only opened up their DP games. They, they say they've opened up their poker rooms, but I don't see them running any poker tables, or at least the times that I've looked on Bravo. I don't know if, if, if you've this gotten any where, other news. At Dania. At? At Dania. Dania opened their uh, player banked games, but not their regular tables. That's a, Yeah, so that's what I said. I said I, all I've seen is their pl- player banked games and DP games, as we call them down here. Yeah. And um, – I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it, 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 people don't realize what we have to go through. And yeah. I don't know if all the other places, all the other poker rooms in the country are going through the same, you know, uh, lengthy, uh, time consuming procedures to make sure the chips and everything else is, is, is sanitized. Yeah. Well, well, again, for the safety. That all depends on what kind of business they were doing, uh, how they do in comparison with their casino games, with their slot machines. And if it's a very small function of uh, money, of revenue producing, you know, they may not uh, want to go through the hassle of it. And, uh, you know, I think Dania's falls into that category a little because their casino is open. But then again, there's nobody there. Well, and here's another thing. If you look at that email, um, I don't remember off the top of my head right now, but. You know, we went through um, some parts of California are, were open, others weren't. You know, um, there were some states where they've opened their casinos, but no poker rooms. Um, you know, the poker world is, is not only has it been affected, it will stay affected, I honestly believe, for many years. Joe? I just want to note, and I thank you for bringing me into the show because this is great. And I'm sure your audience, like, it didn't have to be like this. That's the no, that's important true. thing. It did not have to be like this in New York. They're down below 1%. Their schools are going to be open. The number is 5%. They're down below 1%. What did they do that we didn't do? And the answer is when you go back to the beginning of May and there was a debate about should we stay in for a little longer or should we go out and everybody just ran out the door and they ran outside and they forced it open. And all of these debates that you're having and the business and the lack of business is all because of that. If we could have stayed inside for three more weeks, you would have starved the virus because it wouldn't have been being transferred out there. Instead, we didn't even flatten the curve. We kind of lowered it and then we raised it right back up until... You starve the virus, you're going to have transmission, and you're going to have a weak economy. Because until I feel like you might want to have a really strong business, but until everybody feels confident, you're not going to have a strong business. You're only going to have people who are either don't care or don't feel like it's going to be an issue. There's all, My dad is staying home. His home is great. He's staying home. 
until he's confident he's not going to get it and die when he goes out. That's the only thing that's going to bring the economy back completely. And until everybody gets on the same page with that reality, this is we're going to bump along the bottom. We're going to open. We're going to close. We're going to feel like it's gone. It's going to come back. Remember, they say the second wave is going to be worse than the first wave. We never ended the first wave yet. Yeah. And that's on because the horizon. Of the, because of the flu that's out there. Well, imagine. Imagine up north where it's cold and you're inside and you're forced inside. And like Joe has got the flu and Dave has got the cold and Joe Costello has got COVID. Who knows why and how and where do I go? And we're all together. Oh, you're fine. You got. The, oh, no, you're dead. It's going to be bad. It's going to yeah. be bad. And it's it didn't have to be this way. And that's it. I'm done. Okay, well, let's move things back into poker because I know that there is a lot of fatigue out there and people don't want to hear us uh, go on and on for the entire hour talking about uh, the situation with the pandemic. But still, uh, you know, obviously we have we do have to spend some time looking at it and how it affects our game. But the World Series of Poker online is continuing. Uh, I had mentioned on our last show, Kristen Bicknell uh, picked up a win in uh out in Vegas and picked up a bracelet. And now she has uh, won another one on the, uh, on the WPT online schedule, a $5,200 event and picked up uh, a ring there. Nick Petrangelo just won on the WPT online series, uh, the $3,200 tournament. And I wanted to talk about a hand there because uh, I found it very interesting. Nick is uh, someone that I met a few years ago. Uh, when he won his uh, bracelet out there and played late into the, uh, I think it was the 2016 World Series of Poker, and I was right there at uh, the Thunderdome uh, and and got a chance to interview him after after the tournament. So he's a very sharp player, a very good player, and I want to talk about a hand there because uh, I find it pretty interesting. But uh, uh, he won this tournament, and let me pull it up here. Uh, on my screen, and it was the uh, the thirty two hundred six max thirty two hundred dollar buy in six max championship. Uh, he ended up winning the event, and uh, there was a very interesting hand in head to head play when it came down toward the end. He was taking on uh, a player named uh, Artisum Prostack was his opponent going head to head, and they're heading into the uh, late uh, portions of the game. And I want to have you take a look at this hand, Joe, because they're going head to head. Prostack had queen jack offsuit and Petrangelo was holding 10-7 offsuit. The flop was 3-5 king of all diamonds. And then on the turn was the seven of diamonds. So there's four out on the board. Uh, Petrangelo uh, had the not the best hand, but he had the, uh, he had a pair of sevens. Prostack did have a diamond. His jack was the diamond, so he's he has the flush, and he checks on the river when the queen came up, queen of clubs, and Petrangelo went into the tank. And he ended up going all in for his final 17.7 million chips. Prostack sitting there with 65 million. What do you uh, think the proper play would be? Hmm. <laughs> Four diamonds on the board. You've got obviously, the jack. You've got obviously, the jack. Uh, Prostack has the jack of diamonds, so he has the flush. 
Right. And his opponent just decided to go all in. He went all in, and so if he if he calls, he wins the tournament. Yeah, I mean, 65, if he loses that hand, they're probably about even in chips, I would imagine, after that hand. Because right. he would have lost 17.7. He'd have been down to about 48. The opponent probably would have had somewhere. About 35. So, 35 yeah. plus, exactly. whatever, plus whatever was in there before that, before the river. Okay. So, um, again, Dave, that that's a that, – who, well, who, I would imagine he folded, right? Yeah, he, he folded, did fold the hand. Yeah, folded I think the that's hand. what that's what I'm leading to here. He is folded that, that hand. Is he now, folded the tournament winning hand? Is what he did. I sit there and I'm thinking to myself, okay, uh, I don't know what the bets were, pre-flop, post-flop, and on the turn. Right. Okay. I don't. I don't have all that either. But you know, if that now, that I'm sure that's what based his decision. Okay. Um, just hearing this. I hate to, I I'm, listen if I'm sitting with with a queen I mean a diamond that's that strong he's got the jack so there's only three diamonds that can beat him the ace king and the queen okay? well the king's out on the board so it's only oh, two actually so he's got two I'm sorry so the king of diamonds was out on the board I'm sorry right and his opponent you know can I put him on the queen you know can I put him on the queen cuz I'm assuming if he had the ace again I don't know how they the betting went you know, the, the betting lets you hide a lot of things um, or, you know, gives a lot of tells to your opponent. Um, so without that information, it's very hard for me to say this. Yeah. I would have been very tempted to call and see if my opponent was just willing to steal it because he didn't put me on a diamond. I may have made that call. But yeah, again, if, if you when, do lose the hand, you're still leading. Uh, you have obviously allowed worst, him to get back worst, to the tournament. Exactly. Worst case, worst case scenario, you're 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 either leading or you guys are, or you know you're 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 right there. You're tied. Okay. You could still take the tournament down in the next hand if if that was the case to be. But you know, Dave, without having some of that other information, it's very hard for me to make a call the way I would have handled this. Um, maybe he had built up a thing. Maybe his opponent had just gotten frustrated because it obviously looks like he probably had him three or four to one in chips prior right. to the start of the hand. Yes, correct. So, um, you know, could his opponent, could they have had 20 million in there and he's trying to get that. So now that now he's only two to one in chips behind him. There's a lot of questions that have to be answered. You know, or or you have to, you know, uh, dissect the information that's available to you. Obviously, we know he didn't make the call there. Um, but me holding a jack, you may have to show me. <laughs> you may have to show me one of the two cards that can beat me. Yeah. And if not, and if not, then hey, let's go for it on the next hand. But yeah. What was his? Right. Did he give a reason why he didn't make the call? No, they didn't. They didn't discuss it with him. But uh, uh, you know. Uh, Petrangelo obviously felt very good about it and felt that, uh, in fact, they talked about his play at the final table overall was basically putting on a clinic on how to play No Limit Hold'em. Well, probably because his opponent probably was not as experienced as he was. Uh, he may have gotten information knowing that, hey, this guy built up his stack but always holding the nuts. So unless he's holding the Ace of Diamonds, he's not going to even call me with the Queen of Diamonds. 
right. and 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 he he put him to the test. He put him to the test again. So much information has to be you know uh, simulated by both players as to why I'm going to push all in and why I'm not going to call all in and and you know the. I mean, was who was the other player again? Uh, a player from Belarus named uh, Artisan Prostak. And he's not known as a professional. I mean, granted, it was. Uh, I guess he is over there in in Europe. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, I, I can't give you the background on him, but uh, uh, you know, Petrangelo has a, a good, good national uh, reputation. Obviously, a worldwide reputation, I should say. Yeah, you know, again, <laughs> um, you know, pedigree may have held up here and and, and won the hand. Uh, you know, that's why these people are the top players in the world, uh, because when they do have uh, an experience, uh, you know, uh, advantage, they they put it to use. So, again, you know, without going into getting an opinion as to why the other player did not call, you know, he probably assumed he could grind it out without giving up that yeah. you know that amount of chips in his in his stack. But me, like you said, I you know I I didn't even hear you say the king of diamonds was out there. I, I, listen, it's it seems like too much of an aggressive play. You know, if I was sitting with the ace, I don't think I'd go like that because you're thinking of your opponent. Well, I don't put him on the ace because. There's no way he'd be going all in unless he knew that I was an instant call on that to try to take my chips. So right. the, my thinking would have been, does he have the queen and, you know, and, and, and trying to entice me to make a call or, or bluffing with that. And that's where my thought process would have been. I would have, I, I wouldn't have put him on the ace. I would have been saying, does he have the queen? You know, does he right. have that second right. highest diamond in his hand? But again, without getting all that information, it's very hard to, to right. criticize either one of them. Anyway, Petrangelo wins uh, nearly half a million dollars to win that event. Prostack second place, three hundred sixty-eight grand, and uh, Jake Schindler also was at the final table, winning, finishing seventh, and winning seventy thousand. Uh, just to clear up my comments about uh, Kristen Becknell, uh, she won the fifty-two hundred dollar high roller. Uh, Forty-two players in this one. Uh, kind of weird because her boyfriend, Alex Foxen, known as one of the top players in the world, was the first player busted, bought back in, and ended up finishing in 40th place. So not a great tournament for him. Uh, he went out e very quickly. But Kristen Becknell beat David Peters head-to-head -head for the victory there. Scott Margerison, Elio Fox, Makita Bajaskowski were the other finishers in the top five. So she's, again, having a great breakout year, and I think it's about time to uh, not just say she's the best female player in the world, but maybe top ten of all players in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the way things are going now. So and, yes. and the funny thing is when she won her bracelet, I follow her on Twitter, and I follow several other people, and uh, – you just can't believe some of the comments, uh, basically, that, you know, oh, well, she learned everything from Foxen, uh, you know, just running her down, basically, and, and dismissing her accomplishments. And I think it's a shame because not only is she a very sweet person, but just a tremendous poker player. Yeah, well, listen, you know how that is. People like to troll other people online and just, uh, you know, you know. 
try to say negative things about them just because they, they have no other things, nothing else to do. So. Right. Well, let's take a break here on the program. Uh, we'll talk about a few other things. Uh, obviously, the World Series of Poker online event, uh, something different, is in the GG Poker portion. So uh, you basically have to leave the country to play in these tournaments is basically the situation. And it's kind of uh, sad that it has to go that way, and it does eliminate a lot of people that don't want to travel at this point uh, from their hometowns here in the United States. <laughs> or can't. <laughs> or can't, absolutely. And uh, we certainly uh, hope things are getting better. I think, uh, you know, to close out our thoughts on the on the COVID virus, uh, I have a feeling things are getting a little bit better. I think it's too early to uh, just jump out there willy-nilly and, and celebrate and, and party with people. And uh, it's very hard to stop people from doing that. I mean, look at the college students going back to college. University of North yeah. Carolina has already gone back to virtual exactly. learning because the first week they couldn't control themselves. They had these huge parties and a bunch of people uh, were tested positive. Yeah, and this is going to continue f- for quite a while, Dave. I'm yeah. sorry. Sure. I know the numbers are going down, but you know, it's going to take a strong person or a strong community and, and leader to make sure that this starts ending right now. Okay. Let's take a break here. We'll be back with more of the show when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. Of course, you can always pick up the show uh, on uh, on uh, SoundCloud or on Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. We'd love to have you get on there and uh, rate the show. Uh, give us some comments if you can. Uh, certainly subscribe to the show so you get the notifications uh, as quick as possible. And, of course, uh, there's other places you can get it as well. Hold'em Radio Network is one uh, PokerFuse podcast page and several other things uh, on a regular basis. And we hope you do check in with us on a regular uh, basis. We have some big ideas. We'll talk about it when we come back. Uh, some things happening here uh, behind the scenes on Poker Action Line, and we talk about that and see if uh, you want to get involved and uh, – Take a look at some of our software and play some games and give us your input. So uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. Poker Action Line continues when we return after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. (laughs) You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. 
Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez uh, bringing you another edition of Poker Action Line. And, uh, of course, some, many of the other tournaments going on. I didn't want to touch on a lot of them because, uh, you know, it's just... As I mentioned on the last couple of shows, there's just so many players out there that we've never heard of that are playing online from uh, wherever, Toronto or Mexico or or uh, Europe or Great Britain or, you know, wherever. Uh, but uh, a few names have popped out at me recently, including the uh, name of Bradley Rubin, who is uh, a Florida native. I guess he's from the Tampa area. He finished uh, or he won a uh, PLO event in the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open back in 2017. And then at the Lucky Hearts 2018, he finished second in a PLO and uh, is really a, you know quite a player as far as uh, PLO 8 is concerned. And a couple of our good friends, uh, Michael Moed and uh, uh, Mark Perlman, both are uh, experts at the game as well. So we find it to be very interesting. But uh, Ruben uh, just recently won a tournament uh, in uh, this World Series of Poker online event. It was a PLO event, uh, $1,500 buy-in, and 990 entries in this one. So he takes home 220000 But I was kind of uh, interested because there's a couple of players that have won bracelets lately in PLO 8. And it's really uh, – Joe, you don't play the game that much, I know, but uh, uh, it is uh, a special uh, skill set to decide, you know, uh, when you're going to play the low hand and, and go for that sort of thing. So, uh, the other player, no, I want well, to... go ahead. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, it is a very tough game because P- what I've been getting a lot of is a lot of, uh, pot limit Omaha, but without the eight, it's seen right. a lot at the casinos. So PL, P- you know, the, the, the eight, that's what knocked me out at a horse tournament that we were both in uh, many years ago at the Palm Beach Kennel Club in the horse tournament. Right, exactly. Uh, the other person that I wanted to mention was uh, uh, Nathan Gamble, who also run approximately 220000 in uh, the World Series of Poker uh, 8 or Better event. Uh, the one that uh, Ruben won was just PLO, but this was the earlier, the $1,500 PLO 8. And they did an interview with him after the show. In fact, uh, the interesting thing was Dave Tuckman who does the commentary on the uh, on the feeds for the WSOP had invited Gamble to join him to commentate on the on the game, but Gamble said he would do it. But then when it came time, he had actually made the final table, so he could not. Uh, Eight hundred eighty-three players in that one, and they sat down and talked about it afterwards. And here's the interesting story for me is he started uh, he started beating games when he was 11 years old. His father actually bought him in uh, online uh, years ago for $11. He turned $11. He lost down to $1.57, he said, and eventually figured out uh, the game he really won on was uh, a game called Royal Hold'em, which is kind of a short deck poker game, but – it just tends through aces and it was a limit game. And he found out that most of the people playing it really stunk at it. And he <laughs> turned his $1.57 into about 16 or $1,700. Wow. 
Good for him. And uh, he, so that was when he was 11 years old. Uh, as he went into, uh, got a little bit older, 14, 15, he started playing in a bunch of home games and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, his dad encouraged him. Uh, his mother was not so happy about it, he said, but he actually, he actually uh, picked up the game of PLO eight and, and became an absolute stud at it. And look at him now. So, you know, kudos to his father because, you know, listen, fathers put their boys in baseball, football, basketball. If, if you recognize your son's talent is poker, you might as well get him started early. And he actually went into the military for a while. And uh, so his uh, background is quite a bit different from a lot of people that you see, you know, dropping out of high school, dropping out of college, playing online, uh, you know, 80 hours a week and that sort of thing. But uh, he actually, uh, you know, has turned it into a bracelet and become one of the top PLO eight players in the world. Congratulations to him. <laughs> so that's one story I picked out. Uh, Bradley Rubin is a guy, uh, you know, and I don't want to get too much into the hands of that because, uh, you know, I haven't done enough research on it. But, you know, we're seeing a lot of these people finding these niches. And I thought it would happen years ago when we used to have Michael Moet on the show. I figured that, you know, people would – you know, move away from uh, No Limit Hold'em and try to find a niche somewhere else. But I don't think it's happened, really. No, I mean, people enjoy having four cards in their hands, and uh, it gives them a lot more. It, it, it's a more gamble game. You know, you can gamble a little bit more with that. Right. And that that's part of the stuff that I've always loved to gamble. But, uh, you know, when it was eight, when it was eight, because it's a completely different strategy when you're playing Omaha high only, you know, but when you're playing eight, you know, I don't know. I just, I guess I couldn't get my whole head wrapped around it. Uh, Coincidentally though, I have won a couple of horse tournaments. And like I said, I got eliminated on the Omaha part of it. It it usually goes both ways. Either I've gotten lucky enough to win and finish out the tournament. You know, once it's gone around a few times with Omaha, uh, but yeah, it. What I hear from the people at the table, Dave, and I don't know if you've heard this, is they love the action. They love the amount that there's four cards, and you know, it, it allows them to gamble, and and which in turn I think allows a lot of bad players to think they're better at it than they are. Right. Right. Well, you know, these are some of the games that we used to see a lot of on, uh, you know, going out to Vegas every year and, uh, you know, getting a chance to see up close some of these uh, players. You know, we know our friend Corey Zeidman is a great stud player and people have their little niches. Linda Johnson, also a great mixed game player. So uh, you just, you know, we didn't see that this year. And that's one of the big things I miss about the World Series this year, besides the fact that we didn't get to see it uh, live. Yeah, and you know the cha- isn't it the players' championship has like an eight game mix now? Correct. Correct. And and you know that's like you said, it is a lot of fun, at least for somebody like myself and you, Dave, that have been around poker for so many years. Unlike a lot of these young, you know, internet stars, um, you know, we've grown up with some of these games. You know the the natural progression of five cards to seven card stud to seven high low to Omaha. And uh, I mean, it's, excuse me, into Hold'em and then Omaha. So I do like the, the mix in those games because I like to expand it, but uh, you know, you need the time to, to study these games properly. 
Yeah, that's for sure. Um, also, I mentioned David Peters earlier, finishing second to Kristen Bicknell in the $5,200 high roller. He also uh, picked up a bracelet in heads-up tournament at the series. He beat Mike Adamo, Michael Adamo in the finals, uh, picking up 360000 for being the champion of that event. Adamo finished second. Alyssa McDonald was third and Michael Zhang was fourth. And uh, some of the players who advanced into the round of 16 included Elkie, uh, Bertrand Grosspellier, Daniel Negranu, and Mike Lea for uh, their efforts there. Uh, second gold bracelet of his career for David Peters. And I can remember way back when we uh, were working with the guys from uh, Poker, Poker Players International, PPI, uh, Randy Casper used to talk about David Peters and talk about him being one of the great players of the future. And he certainly has become that. There's no question about that. Uh, let's move on to uh, other news in the poker world. I did want to touch on the Mike Postel story. We thought that was over. Uh, of course, the case had been dismissed. People were upset about it. And Mac Verstandig, the lawyer who represented 88 plaintiffs, in the uh, lawsuit, he uh, filed a third request for time extension for an amended complaint on August the 5th, saying that a settlement had been reached between his plaintiffs and uh, the Postal's group. So uh, it appears that eventually they are going to have some sort of settlement and receive some kind of money. It's not a class action suit, so they need a little more time because uh, he must communicate with all 88 plaintiffs individually and verify that they agree to the terms of the settlement. So we know the story about Postal accused of cheating in those games that were uh, live streamed from Stone's Gambling Hall in Sacramento. And uh, the former Stone's employee, Veronica Brill, was the one who uh, kind of brought it to light. And uh, a lot of Joey Ingram and a few others did a lot of research, Doug Polk and did some videos about it and said that he, to them, it was obvious that he was cheating. Uh, there was a situation where he had his phone at the table and in his lap, and he was getting fed some information on some of the other players' hands, supposedly from the uh, TV room. So, uh, But that is still going on, and, and it appears that the people that suffered from that are going to probably get some money, uh, and that's a bit of a surprise to me, Joe. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, when did when did the judge throw out the? Uh, it was. Uh, it's about a month and a half ago. Yeah, or so. I guess about a month ago, maybe, maybe a little longer than that. Maybe back in oh, it was in June. It was in June. Okay, so it was longer than a month and a half ago. So, you know, first standing said he wasn't going to give up. You know, but uh, you know, I kind of just said, well, I think that thing's over, and I think a lot of people did as well. Yeah, well, I'm curious. I wonder if these are going to be uh, one of those uh, that you can't tell us what the what the settlement yeah, is. I would, exactly. I would love, I would love to to know what the settlement is going to be. To be well, honest with you, and who? I mean, is it just is it just going to be uh, this guy, the the guy who was accused? Is he the only one that's named in this, or is it I, I'm not sure. I know that the uh, the poker room director was named in the original lawsuit. I don't know exactly where that stands right now, but they have until September the 11th to uh, uh, to finish up this amended complaint. 
And supposedly the terms of the settlement will be reached by that point. And I got to think that when there's 88 people involved, uh, I, I don't think they're all going to be silent. And I think we're going to hear something about what people are getting out of this. Yeah, well, as long as they don't have to sign a non-disclosure uh, agreement on this thing here, um, I, do you think it's going to be any kind of substantial money? Jeez, that's a good question. I I haven't really heard anything one way or another. I would think, you know, when you start cutting it up a uh, hundred ways, that you know it's not a huge amount, but I'm sure people will. You know, it's got the total's got to be up there pretty decent. Yeah, and they have to settle for lawyers' fees too. I would imagine, yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's always uh, something very interesting. The lawyers' fees uh, in these instances. Um, you know, what's your guess? What do you think the the plaintiffs are going to walk away with after the lawyer gets their cuts? Uh, I'm going to say maybe twenty thousand each, something like that. So you're talking that you think this is going to be an over two million dollar settlement? I think so. I have a feeling it might be. All right. Well, that's a hell of a lot more than I thought. I didn't think they'd walk away with more than five thousand each. So. 50 bucks each. Yeah. <laughs> Not 50, <laughs> but maybe maybe 5,000, anywhere from 2,500 to 5,000 each. That, that's where I'm thinking it's going to land. So let's see. Okay. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up, I saw an interesting article, uh, in fact, on, uh, on Card Player, uh, writing a regular column has been this player, uh, Houston Curtis, who uh, just published a book about uh, those uh, celebrity uh, home games uh, that kind of inspired Molly's game. But uh, Curtis is uh, uh, the founder of a site called Card Sharp with a K. Uh, okay. .com, and he's also written a book called The Billion Dollar Hollywood Heist. And uh, he's been both a uh, film producer and a, they call him a kind of a card mechanic in, uh, in the double life as he, uh, you know, played against a lot of these players, and uh, he's also a sleight of hand artist. So he's a guy yeah. that uh, knows all the angles. Say, I was just going to say that's that's what you got to be if you're a mechanic, if you're a card mechanic. Yeah, exactly. But he played in a lot of these Hollywood games. He's he's written an article, and I'm almost uh, interested in finding out what the second article of the series is going to be because in the first one he breaks down that his top five. Um, celebrity poker players in Hollywood. And there was a couple of people he eliminated right off the top because everybody knows about him. And uh, he calls it overqualification. Uh, one would be Toby okay. McGuire, who How is about seven uh, Pollock. Uh, he doesn't list Pollock as a matter of fact, but I'll get to the ones that he listed in his top five, but Toby McGuire, he says, uh, you know, is a good friend of him and called him one of his former partner in crime because you know, he was involved with Curtis in setting up some of these games and, and took money from a lot of players. But the other one he's eliminating is Jennifer Tilly because she's more, he says, a poker personality than an actor these days. And her core business seems to be uh, poker related, whereas none of the other celebs on his list can really claim that. So uh, he came up with his list. Uh, he said, obviously, there's people that have fun. Uh, that we see in some of the World Series of Poker. Jason Alexander, Ray Romano, Don Cheadle are some of the people who uh, come to mind. But I wanted to run down his uh, his top five just for to make it interesting here. Let's hear it. Number five is James Woods. 
Uh, I had a chance to interview Woods out in Vegas at the World Series of Poker a few years ago, and uh, he is uh, one of the top players. He's an MIT graduate, and uh, Curtis says calls him the most intelligent celebrity he's spent he's spent time with at, at, in poker. Okay, number four. Number four is Todd Phillips. Uh, maybe a lot of people haven't heard him because he's a director, but. Uh, he made movies old, like old school, uh, which is uh, Roddy Dangerfield and Road Trip, and also made The Hangover. He's a writer and director, and that was the one that really put him on the map. Okay. He recently directed uh, The Joker also as well uh, with Joaquin Phoenix. So it's a billion-dollar film, and uh, he's also a very good player. Uh, number three is Ben Affleck. Of course, uh, nobody needs many more information about that. He's very well known. And uh, he's also been banned from casinos for counting cards at the blackjack table. But uh, his biggest uh, title in poker was uh, 356000 that he won uh, the California State Poker Championship at the Commerce back in 2004. Uh, number three, Nick Cassavetes, uh, who is... Uh, his mother was Gina Rollins, by the way, but he's uh, and also the son of John Cassavetti, so the legendary film director. But uh, he said that he hosted actually a game at his house. And uh, Cassavetti's appeared in Entourage and a few other things. He directed the film called The Notebook, uh, which is a uh, favorite of a lot of women out there, a very romantic film. And uh, he's a tremendous player that... Uh, you know, a lot of people respect because he's also a very funny guy. He's not afraid to gamble and he's a very tough competitor. So uh, he is number two. He said he once won a big prop bet with Toby Maguire, who bet him he couldn't get six pack abs in a short amount of time, pulled his shirt off the ta- right off in front of the table in front of everybody. And Maguire was uh, forced to admit defeat. <laughs> Hell of a number- Number one, and a well-known, maybe more for his poker than for any of his uh, other uh, Hollywood uh, parts, but uh, he's best known for his sex tape with Paris Hilton, and has also been married to both uh, Shannon Doherty and Pam Anderson. So, uh, you know, his uh, off-film exploits probably a little more famous, but it's Rick Solomon, who we've talked about, uh, has been involved in uh, some interesting hands over the years, and he is definitely a crazy player. Uh, Curtis says his wild drug antics are the stuff of legend. And uh, he said uh, the comment Rick said at the table one time, he said, if I ever smoke crack again, I'm checking myself into rehab for a year. <laughs> I'm, surprised, so, I'm surprised with all the sex tape out there with Paris Hilton, he didn't go – and he's the best at going all in. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Good one. Uh, he, in fact, in Pam Anderson, he not only married her, but divorced her and then married her again. So, oh, hey. His nickname among friends is Scum. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought that was very interesting. Some interesting stories. If you want to check that article out. Uh, it's called The Best Celebrity Poker Players in Hollywood by Houston Curtis, and uh, it breaks down the top five. But the next article coming out is going to be on the five worst celebrity poker players he's ever played with. So 
We'll hear that next week, maybe. Maybe so. We'll see. But uh, if you want to check out some of his stuff, cardsharp.com is uh, the site for Houston Curtis with a K, K K-A-R-D-S-H-A-R-P. And also his book is out there doing very well, Billion Dollar Hollywood Heist. And uh, tells a lot of stories of those games. And uh, I think a lot of people would be interested in that. That that was pretty interesting hearing the top five there. So, Anyway, things are uh, closing down here. Tell me a little bit about what you feel is going to happen between now and uh, Labor Day as far as the card market in South Florida. What do I think is going to be happening, Big Dave? Yeah. Um, well, I'm hoping that, you know, that we're all open for Labor Day weekend. I, I would have wagered that we would not be, but after the phone call I got right before we came on the air, um, I'm being asked to call, you know, some of our guests to let them know that we're hoping to be open very soon. But uh, I, I honestly, you know, if I had to wager, I would have wagered that our mayor would not let us open up until after Labor Day. Yeah. So, you know, the the smart money now says we shall be opening up before Labor Day. I'm going to try to get a hold of uh, Tony Burns and, and see what's uh, coming up here, because obviously this is the weekend we would have been finishing up the uh, the big WSH or uh, the SHRPO. And uh, every year in the middle of August, we've had this huge tournament with millions of dollars and, you know, drawn celebrities and charity events and, and just a great weekend for us here in South Florida. And there was none of that this year. No, no. And I, I don't know. They haven't held any big poker tournaments since some of the countries. I mean, some of the states have reopened up, right? I mean, it's just been the online stuff, correct? Pretty much, pretty much. But uh We'll see what happens as we head into the fall. Anyway, that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, Look forward to being back with you next week. I did want to pass along one bit of sad news for uh, those of you people who are from South Florida. Uh, Ethan May, who was uh, uh, a floor guy at the Hard Rock for a lot of the big tournaments, would come down, worked with the World Series of Poker and the WPT and, and many events, passed away this summer. Uh, several weeks ago, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what the cause of death was, but he was only, uh, I think 50, 52 years old or something like that. And was one of the great floor guys. And, uh, we'll talk to Tony about that again. He was very close friends with him and very upset, uh, that Ethan passed away, but, um, life goes on and, uh, you know, we hope that we can get back to our normal life and get back to the tables. Uh, we are still having some good uh, cash games here in South Florida with special restrictions, but tournament play has pretty much ended as far as uh, this area for the time being. We'll see what happens. First, they got to get the schools open. Then they got to get the bars open. Then we'll get the poker tables open. Somewhere. There you go. Exactly. Uh, that'll do it for the show. Uh, Big Dave and Joe will be back next week with another edition. We hope you'll check us out on any of our places where you get your podcasts and uh, let us know what's going on. Uh, more information next week about uh, some of the things we're going to do. We would like to have you get involved in playing on our sites. Anyway, uh, Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, Joe Costello. We'll see you next week on another edition of the show. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 